0: Welcome to The Cutting Room, the movie show from all the right movies. I'm John, and the couple of tricksy characters with me are Matt. Hello. And Westy. Hello. We love a good sequel, don't we? All right. (laughs) So when Matt suggested Lord of the Rings, we thought, it's Middle Earth. Might as well start in the middle.
1: Middle, yeah. (laughs) Absolutely.
0: (laughs) So today, it's The Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers. The extended edition as well.
1: Why thankful for that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) A massive film's most massive version. Yeah. Before we do that though, just to let everybody know that All The Right Movies is a YouTube channel, and what you're listening to now is the audio podcast version of the latest episode of our YouTube show called The Cutting Room. The original video version, along with many other episodes and videos, is available on YouTube, so please head over to our channel to watch and subscribe. We actually started out as a podcast and you can access our full archive of over 120 podcast episodes on our website alltherightmovies.com or by signing up to become an All The Right Movies patron at patreon.com forward slash movies. Patrons also gain access to loads of other benefits as well including an exclusive video episode of The Cutting Room every month chosen by and created specifically for our patrons. So, as you can see, there's loads from all the right movies to keep you busy, so please check out YouTube and Patreon. But for now, it's back to the film. So, what were you thinking in putting this one up, Matt?
1: (laughs) Yeah, come on.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well there aren't many films i've been as excited about as i was for this one and do you remember how good the trailer for this one was? i remember
1: you we worked the cinema and the trailer came out you yeah. just watched it every single time i was gonna watch a trailer. <laughs> yes All it's right. true that is absolutely yeah. true you did you know you did the music yeah, the choice it.
2: of dialogue the scenes in it that trailer is better than like 80 percent of other films and wesley's dead yeah. on the money i was always telling managers when i was working the cinema i'm just going to do a screen check make sure everything's okay i wasn't i was going in and watch the trailer and then come back out Matt, what's going on in the screen? I, I remember that. Bit a fire, I don't know. <laughs> Didn't really look. So, yeah, anticipation levels for this one were through the roof. Very good. Well, my earliest experience with Lord of the Rings was
0: when I was a kid, when I watched the Ralph Bakshi animation. Oh, the Ralph Bakshi animation. Yeah,
1: great, yeah.
0: And found it terrifying. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> terrifying. 12. I remember specifically, I was terrified of the Hobbit's feet for some reason. Didn't like them. <laughs> <laughs> Still don't, really. No, at the but... end of Titanic, we we'll here <laughs> <laughs> But then I also have very strong memories of Peter Jackson's trilogy coming out, adapted from the classic books by J.R.R. Tolkien, of course. And I read all three books in advance. Wow. Also, Westy, me yes. and you met around the time The Lord of the Rings came out. And one of my we... earliest... We did, yeah? All right, yeah. And one of my earliest memories of you is you constantly reading The Two Towers. <laughs> Every time I saw you, you had The Two Towers in your hand. (laughs) It's a big book. Never made any progress.
1: (laughs) I read it like an ent would read it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But I mean, the film was a huge hit at the time. It seemed to be everywhere for a while. And critically, it's still very highly thought of today. I mean, it's massive, isn't it? Yeah, A true epic. And groundbreaking in parts two. Mm -hmm, So looking forward to this one. Yeah. And Westy, The Two Towers finished yet (laughs) just just about (laughs) the last chapter i'm up to helms
1: deep um it's it's bigger than the screen that it was put on it was was when i went in i was like how fucking big does this film need to be please it was just gargantuan in its scale in its effort in its detail in its storytelling and it's in some of the acting and it's just incredible and some of the directions just so confident and so flawless and it was just christmas for me every year it was just christmas and there's a new one coming out and this to me is a real christmas film it feels like a christmas film because it came out in december and it was really exciting and it was like there was nothing else but lord of the rings at the time and two towers for me it was one of the most enjoyable cinematic experiences i think i've ever had i think it was just made for the big screen Mm -hmm. and i miss it i really miss the fact that we can't just watch this every year on the big screen because i (laughs) I would be there every year (laughs) it's that good
0: all right nice one We're taking the Hobbits to Isengard as we talk. The Two Towers. Picking up where the Fellowship of the Ring left off, The Two Towers continues the journey of Frodo Baggins, a Hobbit tasked with travelling to Mordor to destroy the One Ring. Meanwhile, the Kingdom of Rohan defends itself against the forces of evil in epic battle. All four hours of it, right? Mm
2: -hmm. (laughs) Oh,
0: yeah. <laughs> the end credits are 20 minutes long. I know. Mental. I, know. I actually
1: watched them all as well.
0: <laughs> the Two Towers was directed by Peter Jackson, written by Jackson, Fran Walsh, Philip Aboyans and Stephen Sinclair, produced by New Line Cinema, and stars Elijah Wood as Frodo, Andy Serkis as Gollum, and Vigo Mortensen as Aragon. So... As we always do on the cutting room, we're analysing the two towers by talking about the direction, the writing, the cast, our highlights, and then we'll give the film a rating out of ten. Yeah? Yep. yep. To start at the start then well I mean we're not starting at the start, are we we're starting <laughs> no, in the middle? Start in the middle. But yeah. <laughs> we're talking about the director, it's Peter Jackson. Starting his career as a director back in the 1980s, Peter Jackson was originally mostly known as a black or horror comedy director mm-hmm. with yeah. heavenly creatures thrown into, randomly. Yeah. Then, from nowhere, Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Ridiculous. <laughs> Out- <laughs> outrageous. <Yeah. laughs> it's ridiculous how he got the gig. <laughs> Fellowship of the Ring was a mega hit and made Jackson a household name and The Two Towers came just one year later. So, how was PJ's work on
1: Two Towers, Westie? Oh. Imagine the, the the scope of this, imagine it. But his use of wide angles, the way he moves the camera, the way he's not scared to have his own personal stamp on it. I think it's just incredible what he does to do three films over a 14 month period and shoot them simultaneously in New no. Zealand in his home. <laughs> it's I'm gonna do it all here, and you know, and there was some bits filmed in national parks, and you had, get the, you, know, you had to get the permission from the Conservative Society of New Zealand that had to remove grass and keep it in, in specially stored greenhouses because we're going to be shooting <laughs> there for that long and then bring it back and put it exactly where it needs to be. The attention to detail on this is just an incredible thing. And as we're on that, I've got my top three shots, which is, which is really hard. To oh, give us three. <laughs> I, can give you, I can give you 13, but I give us your top three shots. So my top three in no particular order because I cannot rank them because they're all fucking flawless, is I'll go for the first one. Aragorn returns to Helm's Deep and pushes them doors open. Oh, it's just, it's just, that's how you, that's an entrance. That's how you open the door. Yeah, that is. That's how you. That's how you come back. Doors. <laughs> <laughs> you know? But it's a wide, and then it's a mid, and it's just the way he stands and looks. It's like I've never wanted to be anyone more in my entire life. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember how much I tried to groom you here in the twenty years that you've known? <laughs> 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 just look like that. Just come up. Like me mom's like, "Your tea's ready," and I was walking the dining room. Like that. <laughs> Fish fingers again? Is it my? The <laughs> so, second one is. Gandalf, first light, fifth day, that wide shot when you just and the horse just kind of rears up and you see the suns behind him. A wizard arrives exactly when he means to, and it's just fucking brilliant that moment. (laughs) And the third one is the Nazgul in Osgiliath on the Fell Beast when it rises up and Frodo is just tiny in it. It reminds us of like. Blade Runner 2049 must have just went, you know that bit where she's like a huge hologram and it's looking over. Yeah. I was like, oh, rip the ripped the floor of the rings. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's <laughs> just and that bit where he just looks and it comes up, that whole sequence is just fantastic. But that it's one great. shot where it goes wide and you get it from Sam's point of view is fantastic. So that's my top three. But an honourable mention to Brad Dourif when he sees the, the Urukai army and they that tear just one drops. Tier. Yeah. <laughs> He can do that whenever he wants, Brad yeah. Dourif, and he'd say, "I'm <laughs> yeah. just going to do it." Okay, fine. And it's just how he didn't hear them inside of yeah. <laughs> all <was> the silence. <laughs> <laughs> He's coming out now. He's coming out now. <laughs> oh, <goodness. laughs>
0: I mean, these are Peter Jackson's films, aren't they?
1: 100 percent. Oh, yeah.
0: I mentioned the horror comedies and he's also carved out a bit of a niche with documentaries mm. based on restored footage yeah but i mean he could bring about world peace and peter jackson would still be the lord of the rings guy yeah
2: yeah, yeah he would.
0: <laughs> i know that he was obsessed with special effects when he was a kid and that stood him in good stead because i think the thing jackson does best in lord of the rings is blending together the many kinds of visual effects needed to create middle earth on the screen
2: mm.
0: yeah first jackson was dealing with all creatures great and small. Men. Was elves, he on that? Elves. <laughs> <laughs> Not a TV <laughs> show. James <Yeah, she laughs> <in> Herriot. <laughs> <laughs> and to achieve a sense of scale between them all, force perspective, scale composites, scale models, and scale doubles in masks were used. Mm-hmm. And have you seen the big rigs I had on the set? Oh, yeah. yeah. Like basically people in huge remote controlled costumes on stilts to make the hobbits look small. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah. <laughs> And they made advancements in forced perspective as well, where they used motion controls so they could move the camera and retain the perspective. It's all, like, fantastic behind-the-scenes stuff. Yeah. There was loads of miniature work on the film. I say miniatures. Some of the models were so large that they were called bigatures. Yeah, nice. So one of the two towers from the title is Orthanc, ruled over by Saruman. Mm -hmm. The scale model of Orthanc was 27 feet tall. And Isengard, Saruman's fortress, was achieved through a combination of miniatures... Matt paintings, and CGI, and the caverns under Isengard, which a lot of people probably think is all CGI, is actually all one huge miniature, a bigoture. The entrance to Mordor is the Black Gate. We mm-hmm. see it in the film with Frodo and Sam, and that was all done through miniatures as well. There was an Osciliath scale model, there was a Helm's Deep scale model, and the moments where the boulder smashes into the Osciliath tower and the deeping wall explodes were all done by just destroying the miniatures. Yeah, which is ridiculous. That yeah, explosion that,
1: Helm's Deep, when yeah. it is that a miniature? What? Yeah, <laughs> yeah it looks amazing. It would be great fun doing all that. Oh, that would be fantastic. <laughs> well, you'd shit yourself if you built it. <laughs> yeah,
0: crying. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> And in total, miniature photography for the whole trilogy took 998 days to carry out. In terms of working days, that's just under four years just shooting miniatures.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Kubrick would have done that in like a year and a half. (laughs) Just hired 998 people. (laughs) (laughs) One day. (laughs) And The Two
0: Towers was also a 409 CGI, and they were provided by Jackson's own effects house, Weta Digital. Yeah, We'll talk about Gollum later on, but he wasn't the only digital character. Treebeard was created as both an animatronic and digital effect. Mm-hmm. The animatronic puppet of Treebeard was 14 feet high, and apparently it took so long to get Dominic Monaghan and Billy Boyd as the Hobbits up there that during breaks, that had to just stay there for hours at a time.
1: <laughs> yeah, they wrote a screenplay, didn't
0: they? Uh, yeah, they did. <laughs> 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 and the digital Treebeard, get this when I were creating the digital version of Treebeard, one frame of Treebeard took up to 48 hours to render. And he's in the film quite a lot. I've done some quick maths, and it means that to create Treebeard, it took over 50 years in real time. <laughs>
1: Fucking hell. <laughs> How long it takes to say a sentence <laughs> <laughs> would say Quite a for an though, isn't it?
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, incredible visual effects across digital and practical on a scale that's really been matched. No surprise that the two towers won the Oscar for best visual effects, Real movie magic going on, and it was all managed and pulled together by Peter Jackson. I think it's an effects masterclass, just massive.
1: It is an effects masterclass, and the fact that there's only ever 100 Urukai as well, and everything yeah. else is digital, is yeah. absolutely outrageous. Yeah,
2: yeah.
0: and Matt, how was Action Jackson's work here for you? <laughs> Action
2: Jackson, Carl Weathers. Um, <laughs> I mean, I think the trilogy itself is a remarkable achievement. And the confident thing going into Two Towers was you were very confident because you had made it all at the same time. So unless something had gone badly wrong in the edit somewhere, you knew this was going to work. But what stands out for me is how Jackson handles the tone of it because I think the fantasy genre, it can go one of two ways. It can either be fun, but kind of lightweight and silly, you know, something like Crawl. Or yeah. it can get a bit self important, a bit up itself, and just wrapped up in its own mythology too much. If you think of like the last season of Game of Thrones, like no one was enjoying that. It can go that yeah. way. But, I certainly wasn't. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but like Jackson avoids that completely. And like to buy one of Wesley's favourite words here, he just makes it so accessible because it's not silly, but it's not dour. It's genuinely gripping with some amazing world building and proper involving drama at the heart of it. And what I think is interesting about The Torn of Two Towers is how it's different from Fellowship. Because Fellowship has that quest narrative and it is dark in places but relatively light for the most part. But this one, it changes so much and it becomes a proper war film. It gets seriously mm-hmm. dark and it's talking about the extinction of mankind and the introduction of Gollum shows you how powerful the ring is in the wrong hands. And yeah. Jackson's instinct for how this should feel is just so sure handed. All those early scenes in Edoras with Wormtongue sneaking around, manipulating Théoden—that's fantastic. That's fantastic. It's Shakespearean. It's like watching like Kenneth Branagh's version of Hamlet. Yeah, it's, right. It, it's serious stuff, but it works. In a film where two of the characters spend all their time with a talking tree, somehow mm. he just gets it all to feel <laughs> right. So overall, the way that this film darkens everything from the first but it feels natural to do so. It's just so clever. And here I think you have to give a mention of Howard Shaw as well because I think his score oh, yeah. helps so much. It's not like trivial, silly fildee D music. It's bombastic, but it's bombastic in the right way.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's the only thing to match them landscapes. When oh, they're both don't... together, that is an absolute dream. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Howard
0: Shaw won the best-score Oscars for The Fellowship of the Ring and then two years later for The Return of the King, but he wasn't even nominated for The Two Towers. How does that really? work? Did <laughs> <Yeah.
1: laughs> everyone just think, oh, he just wrote it like before and then they've just used it all the way through? Maybe. Well, I mean, with the tone as well, Matt. I mean, the way this... The, when The Fellowship ends and this one comes in, you've waited a year to see it. It feels like the same... It's just a complete continuation. Just yeah. You've just... Like watch had an ad break for a year and yeah, then you straight yeah. back in. It's yeah. absolutely fantastic. But Jackson wanted the film to have a grounded feel, and told concept artists to think of Braveheart as an influence.
2: Fucking yes,
1: yeah.
2: <laughs> I knew you like that. Of <laughs> but the,
1: like the, the opening helicopter shots of this are the same as Braveheart. It's yeah, just yeah. it's the same. The, how close it gets to the mountains, how it yeah. sweeps over. They, it's mm. a similar kind of score. It's fantastic. I mean, this is more factual than Braveheart. Isn't it? <laughs> 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 you know what you can do, but the artist coming up with stuff that was too fantastical which you would if you like you're going to draw over a lot of the rings but fucking yes do that so jackson hired alan lee and john howe who is two main concept artists lee and Howe were illustrators best known for artwork inspired by Tolkien's work so they're really into it yeah and then nailed what jackson wanted immediately like together lee and howe designed helms deep the black gate Orthank and loads of other stuff for the film and it looks great i mean them them drones are incredible
0: yeah yeah oh outstanding yeah yeah I mean, before these films came along, Alan Lee and John Howe were largely responsible for how Lord of the Rings had been visualised. Yeah, yeah. So I think it was the right thing to do to involve them, just out of respect as much as yeah. anything else. Yeah. But their designs are brilliant.
1: Strange Strangely, didn't go to them first. Mm. I
2: know it is. It is yeah. it, the obvious choice you would think. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and as well as those, uh, Nyla Dixon was the costume designer, and obviously Lord's Return of returning Costumes and Fellowship, but though he remained new, and she based those on Anglo-Saxon warriors from about a thousand right. years ago. also took inspiration from Migration Eve Sweden from around the same time, and they would have dragons and ravens on their helmets, so what she did was to swap them out for horses to represent Rohan instead.
1: Ah, they're great though.
2: Yeah, classic. It looks brilliant. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, following on from that, I think we should mention the production design too. Mm. The production designer on the film was Grant Major, so he and his team created the location sets we see. The Kingdom of Rohan and Helm's Deep are two of the most memorable and massive. And to tie in with what Nyla Dixon was doing, Major also took inspiration from the Anglo Saxons in migration era Sweden. So there
2: was some joint up thinking going on. And that shows I mean it feels like one world hundred percent. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, yeah. And thing as well about Peter Jackson, I think it's probably quite well known. Well some people might not, but he also has a cameo in his films. Do you know where yeah. he does his cameo on Two Towers?
1: It's in Helm's Deep, isn't it? It he is. He's in
2: Chainwell and he's thrown his favourite Helm's Deep. And also, <laughs> yeah. he's got two kids, Billy and Katie, and they're in there as well. They're playing two of the refugee children. Yeah,
1: that's right. Yeah,
2: yeah. real family affair, it is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, Peter Jackson
0: then, a big challenge in following his own work from the first film, mm-hmm. but in combining modern blockbuster filmmaking and some old-fashioned movie magic, he pulls it off, we think? Absolutely. Definitely. Coming into Lord of the Rings, Peter Jackson's longtime screenwriting partner was his real-life wife, Fran Walsh. Mm. They were joined on The Two Towers by Philippa Boyens, and Stephen Sinclair
2: also has a writing credit. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. How'd it go then, Matt? The writing on The Two Towers? I think it's at a level that most of the films in the genre usually fail to match. Um, For one thing, this is the trickiest one to work on screen because it's the middle, so there's no real start you're thrown straight back in everything, you've got to pick it up, and it doesn't really have a narrative end, nothing is truly defeated at the end, Frodo is still nowhere near Mount Doom, and yet it feels complete, it's still told its own story, and I think it does that, partly because how much genuine character development you get here. So Frodo, for example, in Fellowship, he doesn't really have much of an arc, and a lot of the adventure is just kind of happening around him, but here, mm-hmm. because Gollum is introduced, you start to see where his character is going, that is his fate if he can't destroy the ring, if he is seduced by it. That's how he's going to end up. So now his character has a dark and tragic arc to escape from. And you see in the film, yeah. he's struggling with that constantly. He's torn between Believe in Gollum and Believe in Sam. And that little group is splintering and he's manipulated all the way. It just makes him much more interesting as a character. And it's the same with Aragorn. You think back to his introduction in Fellowship, looking really sinister in the tavern. You can't yeah, see his amazing. eyes, he's under the road, yeah. Amazing. And for a large part of that film, you're not sure how much he can trust him. You don't believe he is, you know, worthy of being the heir to the throne of mankind. Then you have that scene in Helm's Deep where Legolas points out everyone is going to die and Aragorn yeah. just snaps.
1: Then I shall die as
0: one of them.
2: Yeah. You can see how he's grown so much into being the leader. That he's always destined to be which obviously pays off so well in the third film so i think there's some great character in writing this and what probably helped is they had an expert on set law which was actually christopher lee of all people because he said yeah. he read lord of the rings once a year until his uh, death in 2015.
1: much like me yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah like westy <laughs> Yeah, i read it once over all of the years (laughs) (laughs) i might finish it before i die
0: (laughs) well also christopher lee was the only member of the cast to have met tolkien for real
1: that's right yeah Yeah. Yeah, yeah,
0: apparently they bumped into each other in a bar in oxford yeah but Christopher Lee,
1: great as man, isn't he? Oh, he's oh, fantastic. fantastic. He's, he's totally taken it very, very seriously. He is, yeah, he loves he's it. Just, everything, his pronunciation as well, he gets mm. everything spot on. He's just absolutely yeah. perfect. Rohan, my lord, is ready to fall.
0: Well, for me on the writing, I don't think it's perfect. I must say some of the dialogue is very on the nose and very earnest.
2: Now, Mr. Frodo,
0: you shouldn't make fun. I was being serious. Makes yeah. me cringe a little bit sometimes. Yeah. I have some problems around some of the logic too. Like one minute Gandalf's fighting the Balrog about a mile underground. The next, one on a mountaintop. It's like, how'd <laughs> they get up there?
1: <laughs> it's a Balrog? <laughs> <laughs> well, I can do you, anything. You missed the point. <laughs>
0: Where I think the writing excels, though, is the narrative. The story obviously comes from Tolkien, but the writers here did make some fairly sweeping narrative changes. So, in the novels, Boromir doesn't die at the end of the Fellowship of the Ring. He dies at the start of the Two Towers. And I think they were definitely right to change that.
1: Oh, yeah, 100%.
0: In the book, the elves don't turn up to help at Helm's Deep. Hmm. And another elf, Aragorn's love interest, Arwen, isn't in the book at all.
2: Right. Generally,
0: apparently, only 19% of Tolkien's characters were female.
2: Yeah.
0: Like, no women, please, for Tolkien, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. In the book, Eomer, who leads the writers of the Mark, isn't banished from Rohan. I mean, that moment where Eomer and the writers turn up. To the yeah! I mean, come on. Yeah, yeah that's fantastic. the best line delivery of Carl Urban's career. Yeah, I'll turn
2: over. like Judge Dredd. He's definitely <laughs> not something from the boys, is it? I said, hot shot! <laughs> yeah. Brilliant.
0: And in the book, Helm's Deep isn't the climax, it happens in the middle of the story. The final act of the book has dual plots, the confrontation with Saruman and Isengard and Frodo being attacked by Shalob, the giant yeah. spider. Right. They move both of those sequences into the first act of The Return of the King, making Helm's Deep the climax of The Two Towers. Yeah. I think to say that was the right thing to do is a bit of an understatement. Yeah. So, I do have some issues with the parts of the writing, but the plotting isn't one of them. The narrative is outstanding. I mean, the whole trilogy is one of the greatest stories ever written for me. And most of it comes from Tolkien in the novels, but I think in restructuring the Two Towers narrative and bringing in some strong subplots, the writers here can take some credit as well, and it makes it an excellent book-to-movie adaptation for me. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And, Westy, what do you think of the writing on the Two Towers? I mean, it was definitely written for the screen. This was written to be viewed, and I think the completely understand the source material, and I think when they move stuff around, it's almost like the kind of like bowing to it, kind of like, you, know, you bow to no one, but they're kind of like, it's all right if we move this here, and with, it's done very carefully, and it's yeah. very considered, and it's very well done, and it's got a lot of respect to it, and I think a lot of the writing does have a lot of respect to it. But in, on a whole, I mean, to to even look at them, but like you said, I haven't even finished The Two Towers yet. Even just to look at them on the shelf, I get a panic attack. So just to get them, get your mates and your wife involved and just say, right, we're not going to get divorced at the end of this. Like, it's a real commitment. So just like, in the way that they've done it is just, it, it's, yeah, I mean, the, the writing's fantastic. It's it it, it it doesn't feel like something that's above itself. It's just beautifully done.
2: What I like, though, is there are nods to the book in the film as well. So, you know, that scene where Faramir and Madril are looking at a map of Middle-earth. That's the map featured in the actual books, which was run by Tolkien's son, Christopher, which is a lovely yeah. touch, I think. Looks great as well. It does. It, does. it does look great.
0: It does, it does look great. Yeah. yeah, Tolkien died in 1973, and after he did, Christopher Tolkien went on to edit and release some of his dad's other work, like The Silmarillion and The History of Middle-earth series. Mm. And Christopher Tolkien actually later criticised Jackson's films,
2: Really? All right.
0: Yeah. He said they gutted the book, making an action film for 15 to 25-year-olds. And he also called Peter Jackson Action Jackson. (laughs) He didn't really.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Imagine. (laughs) Christopher Tolkien's favourite film is Carl Weathers' Action Jackson. (laughs) Watch your language in front of the lady. Love this. <laughs> Wish we dad had written this fucking thing. <laughs> Far more complex. It couldn't have been done any better at the time that it was made. It couldn't have yeah. been. Yeah. And if he didn't like it, then he's just been a dick. <laughs> so, The Hobbit
2: was published in 37, and then Lord of the Rings came after 54 and 55. And unsurprisingly, there were quite a few attempts to film them before Jackson did it, so... Strap yourselves in, lads. This is epic. I'm going to give you the the potted history of all the failed attempts. It's going to be nearly as long as the two towers. (laughs) It's going to be uh, four and a half hours. Go for it, man. So, first of all, Disney, pretty obviously, they were interested pretty much straight away in the 30s, both for The Hobbit and then again in the 50s for Lord of the Rings. But neither of those attempts went anywhere.
1: No, too busy washing his hands
0: yeah <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. disney said that tolkien's work was too serious and too violent mm. and tolkien said that he had a heartfelt loathing for disney films
2: so not a great combo there you are that's how we never going to get on <laughs> yeah but, but then there were others interested in animating them so in the 50s a guy called al broadax he tried to get the rights Forrest J. Ackerman, he produced a treatment that apparently Tolkien hated. And then in the sixties mm. the studio called Rembrandt Films, they produced a twelve minute animation of The Hobbit.
0: Right. That Rembrandt animation was the first time Tolkien's work was ever put on screen. Right. So it was significant, mm. but also really, really bad. Is it
2: oh, <laughs> 12 minutes? It's basically <laughs> yeah. stills.
0: There's no animation. Right. All right. Like legit.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So then after that, 1969, United Orders, they bought the rights. And this one I think some people will have heard of because it's just so outlandish. They wanted mm-hmm. the Beatles as the Four Hobbits, <laughs> Twiggy as Gladreal, and all directed by Kubrick, who said, it's unfilmable, sorry. Of course it is. I mean, unfilmable <laughs> with the Beatles, yeah. <laughs>
1: Getting yeah. a Mordo on a yellow submarine. <laughs> Brilliant.
0: <laughs> I mean, that's the year after 2001 as well. Yeah. So... If Stanley the Manly says you can't film it, you know it's true.
1: Well, exactly. Ringo would have had to carry it, wouldn't he? <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> so then, next attempt after that, John Booman had a crack, and he wanted Al Pacino as Frodo. And then in that script, Sauron is described as <laughs> looking like Mick Jagger. So God knows what that was going to turn out like. <laughs> that would have been a piss. It would been... Pacino in there.
0: <laughs> also in Booman's script, Frodo was a bit of a player, and he had sex with Galadriel. Just because he could. <laughs> yeah. Whereas Saruan would be having sex with everybody if he was like Jagger, I think. <laughs>
2: Under thumb, the girl who once had me to So then in the 70s, there was another Hobbit animation, this time by Rankin and Bass. And then probably the, the other adaptation that is quite famous in its own right. You mentioned John, the Ralph Bakshi one. That was 1978. Yeah. You still yeah. have nightmares about it.
0: Yeah. Remember when cartoons were terrifying? I mean yeah. I saw Lord of the Rings, Watership Down, and Pinocchio all around the same time. Christ. And plague Dogs.
2: No need. There's no need. So now we're in the eight he's on this epic journey and George Lucas obviously he tried to get the rights. Apparently <laughs> he wanted Spielberg to direct it, but that came to nothing, which is why he ended up doing a uh, Willow with Ron Howard instead. <laughs> <laughs> what? Yeah. Willow. Yeah,
0: I want to do Hobbit with Spielberg, but I'll settle for Willow with Howard.
1: Yeah. <laughs> no way, <I> George. <judge>. Yeah.
2: <laughs> so yeah, then the whole thing, it just seemed like it was dead in the water. It was never going to happen until Jackson came along in the 2000s for the Lord of the Rings trilogy and then Hobbit trilogy 10 years later. Yeah. Someone especially the Hobbit into three three-hour
0: films. Yeah. <sighs> Talk about padding it out. Yeah, yeah unbelievable. too much. Too much. <laughs> high too much frame much, rate much.
1: as well. He shot them on a on a really high frame rate, which, that's nah, not for me.
0: So, yeah, Peter Jackson came on the scene in the 1990s with New Line Cinema. Before New Line, though, another production company had the rights to Lord of the Rings. Do you know who it was? Didn't Weinstein have a hand
2: in it at one
0: point?
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> as well as other things. Yeah.
0: <laughs> 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 yeah, so Miramax, headed by Harvey Weinstein, had the rights. And Weinstein wanted to adapt the books into two movies. There was a lot of fallout for Peter Jackson, and according to Jackson's manager Ken Camins, at one point Weinstein threatened to replace Jackson as director with Quentin Tarantino. Amazing!
1: (laughs) (laughs) That would have been amazing.
2: Can you imagine what the hobbit feet would look like in Tarantino? Huge! (laughs) He'd be loving them.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Huge close-ups, really hairy feet. feet. But then the cost escalated, so Miramax sold the rights to New Line. But that's also why Stephen Sinclair has a writing credit. He worked on the screenplays for the two part approach with oh, Miramax. Right. That's Peter Jackson, Fran Walsh, and Philippa Boynt as a screenwriting team. Mm. A real challenge in adapting a classic and huge novel, but they tell the story of the two towers very effectively and a very good adaptation, we think.
2: Yeah, oh,
1: yeah all great. three. Oh, yeah. yeah, brilliant. <laughs>
0: Huge sprawling novels that are turned into huge sprawling movie trilogies usually have huge sprawling casts, and The Two Towers is no different. We can't talk about every cast member, unfortunately, and obviously. obviously. So uh, <laughs> we've picked one each, haven't we?
2: Mm-hmm. So, yes. who have you gone for, Matt? Yeah. Well, there is plenty I could have picked from, but I will go for Elijah Wood as Frodo. And I want to start off with just the honest opinion, which is. It's not because he's my favourite character or favourite performance in the trilogy, but I think it's important to talk about him because of how he changes here, which goes back to what I mentioned in the writing, because mm-hmm. again, look at Fellowship, very much a passenger is a character, everything just going on around him and he's just like, oh, what, where am I going, just take me by the hand, lead me. How do you make a character who is so naive and innocent interesting? And I think that's a struggle in Fellowship, and I think Wood's performance reflects that. But... Give him more interesting stuff to do here, and I think he gives a better performance. A lot of that is to do with Gollum, because he can see Frodo looking at him and thinking, that could be me, this is what the ring does to people. And there's that duality, that sense of fascination, but revulsion. He wants to save Gollum at the same time, because he wants to save himself.
0: You were not so very different from a hobbit once, were you?
2: And where I think Wood's performance stands out is that suggestion of someone who is increasingly torn as this journey goes on. He's torn between loyalty to Sam and trust in Gollum, torn between his better nature as a hobbit and the darker aspect of his character, which the ring is calling out to constantly. And when you've got, like, Wood's just physicality, it plays well, you can see how tired he is in this film Howard Strainley you know he's got those like huge blue eyes which really emphasize mm. how innocent he is but also how much pain he goes through in this film in particular and I think they're really good at putting across the physical and mental strain that he's going through so like I say no it's not my absolute favorite performance in the in the film but it is when Frodo is a character and Wood's performance starts to make sense to me it's when I go ah okay he's that that's what's going on with him so I think he, he is worth talking about still. Yeah, I think you're right. I think a big part of why he was cast was probably because of how he looks. Yeah.
0: He looks like a hobbit, doesn't I mean, he? Does.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know there was I mean, it was a big family affair. I think they're all still really close now. Yeah. Even after, after film filming rap, they all get tattoos and more part of yeah. the family. But yeah, it, yeah. there was actually family in there. Elijah Wood's sister, Hannah's in the film. And um, we see a shot of her in Helm's Deep and Viggo Mortensen's son is in there as well. And like you mentioned with uh, Jackson's kids as well, yeah, they're Jackson's in every, kids, yeah. every film, I think. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And the boy would give his arrow going his sword at Helm's Deep. That's Philip Boyan's, Boyan's son. Boyan's son, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah right. Yeah. So, okay,
2: yeah.
1: But there was a different actor brought in to do the voice, wasn't it? Because his voice broke when they came. Yeah, over yeah. yeah, yeah that's yeah. right. Yeah. Bless him. <laughs> Went really squeaky. <sweet. laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> that's a good sword. Cheers, mate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Might have made a good Gollum in that case. <laughs> might have been great.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, speaking of Gollum, for my cast member, I'm going to talk about Andy Serkis as Gollum. Yeah. The Stuart Hobbit, who represents what Frodo could turn into. He's been corrupted by the ring and develops split personalities. Smeagol and Gollum. I mean, when you talk about a character stealing a movie, this has to be up there. Oh, Gollum yeah. waltzes in, in part two, playing catch-up on everyone else mm-hmm. and walks off with the film, for me. Yeah. I think there's three great aspects to Gollum. First off, I think he's brilliantly written. Mm. The conflict within him is almost tangible. Gollum wants the ring all for himself. Smeagol wants to help Frodo and be a good person. And that's realised on the screen in the famous scene where we see both sides of Gollum's personality arguing. Yeah. And the fact that the bad side of him wins out in the end and he ends up dying for the ring makes Gollum a tragic figure. Really. Yeah. Secondly, the performance from Andy Serkis. He provided the voice and also performed the motion capture. <laughs> Circus said that he based Gomb's mannerisms on heroin addicts in withdrawal. Right. And I think that does show, and for the best. Yeah. And I don't know how he does the voice. It sounds really painful to do yeah, it that. Does.
1: Yeah. Stupid fat hobbit.
0: I mean, I think it's a great performance. Peter Jackson and the producer Barry M Osborne actually campaigned for Circus to be nominated for an Oscar, if you remember at the time. Yeah, I remember. But Academy Regulations said that you have to be actually on the screen to qualify. And he is? Yes. I know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and finally, as an entirely CGI character, Gollum was groundbreaking. Mm-hmm. The first fully CGI movie character was in Young Sherlock Holmes, and oh, the first yeah, yeah. who was a main character was this guy. Yeah. But I think it's fair to say Gollum's a bit better written than Jar Jar.
1: <laughs> in every aspect. <laughs> yeah, yeah <a>
0: little bit. <laughs> I mean, Jar Jar's one personality is bad enough.
2: Exclusive. Me,
1: no, don't give him anything to do,
0: he's just gonna fuck everything up. <laughs> but Gollum, he's brilliant, the best character in the film, the best performance in the film, and a groundbreaking creation.
1: Yeah, I mean, Circus, yeah, Circus said that he had Gollum juice, didn't he, as he was recording the voice, which was honey, lemon, oh, and yeah. ginger, and he just had like just keep his, his vocal cords kind of loose. <laughs> And it's that smash cut to the day and he's just, ah, yeah, and you just yeah, go, I yeah, was so in the cinema going, fucking hell, he looks yeah. real. Yeah. yeah. That, that looks look real? real. It's yeah. like the sunlight, you see everything. But another great thing as well is a really nice touch is that when Gollum talks, the pupils of his eyes actually change depending on which version is talking. So Smeagol's pupils are wide-eyed and Gollum's are much smaller. Oh, Love Which look. is really good when you watch that back and forth. And yeah. Circus did that in one take. He actually did the back and forth just in one. Master's my friend you don't have any friends
2: and thing is circus he was only supposed to be on set for three weeks to do the voiceover but jackson mm. loved his audition so custom to do the motion capture as well the only problem was when to digital had to recreate golems to match the facial features up to circus in the space he meant redo and two years worth of work in two and a half months Wow. <laughs> yeah. So, in the scenes where we see Frodo, Sam, and Gollum interacting, Andy
0: Circus was there filming those scenes with Elijah Wood and Sean Aston wearing a motion capture suit, yeah. and Gollum was then composited on top of him in post. Honestly, for me, Serkis' Gollum blows Elijah Wood and Sean Aston off the screen. Oh, yeah, 100%. Oh, totally agree. And for anybody who's interested, rendering one frame of Gollum would take eight minutes rather than the two days it took Freebeard. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and Westy, still a few to choose from in the cast. So who are you going for? Who am I going
1: for? Mortensen, obviously. <laughs> obviously. Come on. <laughs> know, your he's oh, <laughs> just amazing. You just look at him and you just go, "This guy is just flawless." <laughs> he is. You know, you're going to fall in love with him immediately, aren't you? It doesn't matter who you are. <laughs> it, it it just defies everything. It's just it's just yeah. an incredible character, but just so beautifully realised by Viggo Mortensen. He lives and breathes it. But the thing that I, I get from i mean he surely must have heard from carrying the whole film because he for me (laughs) is just whenever he's on screen it's just electric right out with me i fine Yeah. yeah i would 100%. (laughs) one hundred percent. I can't even ride a horse. <laughs> Fucking, I'm on there, no problem, not a problem. I've never seen anyone own a character like this before. And Peter Jackson would talk to him on set in between takes, and he wouldn't even call him. He would call him Aragon all the way through, and he just he wouldn't even know. He just just respond to it, Aragon. And then when people would laugh at me, he's just that into the character. I think he's absolutely fantastic to the point where you know, in the chase in the Urukai, and you've got that sunrise shot, and they oh. just that was his idea. And he got the second unit to camp out with them for one (laughs) night. This will be a laugh. (laughs) Fucking great. And (laughs) Camden was like, let's get a sunrise shot of us just running across the plains. And it's a second unit who shot it. And that's how they got that shot. Peter Jackson was like, do you want to direct this film or what? (laughs) 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 Because that's a beautiful thing. The camera just moves to his face and I just go, fucking yes, man. 100% (laughs) perfect.
0: Jackson was like, the last time I looked, Peter Jackson, not Viggo Mortensen, was the director of Lord of the Rings. <laughs> yeah, <exactly>. <laughs> <laughs> also, do you know how old Aragorn is? <laughs> a- 87? Yeah, he's in. Z- 86? 87. He's in some nick. Uh, he uh, he's f- like. great. <laughs> and Mortensen formed such a strong bond with the horse that he rode on set that he bought him from the owners. Yeah. That's right, oh. yeah. Yeah, the horse was called Brago, and Mortensen also bought a second horse, so Brago would have a friend.
1: Yeah. Oh, and he bought yeah. some for the other riders as well, yeah, so some of the stunt riders. He actually bought yeah, for yeah, them yeah. to take yeah.
0: home, yeah. Yeah, nice man by all accounts, Viggo Mortensen. Wonderful guy.
2: Yeah, he's amazing, but he was in the wars in more ways than one during film, because that scene in the beginning where he kicks that helmet because he thinks Mary and Pippin have been burned. That yell is real, because he actually broke two toes while he did that. So, And then when he was filming Helm's Deep, he broke two teeth and just said, is there any super glue on set? He just wanted to stick them back on. But Barry M. Osborne, the producer, said, no, you have to go to the dentist where go. So off he went, back on set within half an hour.
1: Yeah, and he went covered in the black orc blood yeah, from Helm's Deep because he yeah. it was Peter <laughs> Jackson's personal dentist. And he's just keeping the theme when he's the two toes, the two teeth, the two towers. Fantastic. <laughs> yeah. He's well into the character. <laughs> <laughs> and then also
2: when he filmed the scenes where Aragorn's flown down the rapids after the walk attack, he was yeah. sucked under the water and he was trapped for about a minute. Well, mm. defying death, Mortensen. Yeah, constantly. Yeah, that
0: could have been nasty, that. And also apparently Viggo Mortensen and Liv Tyler pretty much learned Elvish. And yeah. it was their idea for Aragorn and Arwen to speak Elvish to each other in the flashback
1: scene. Yeah. Which is great.
0: Yeah, it's really good. There's also footage of Viggo Mortensen singing Elvish folk songs too. Yeah. He's just having a laugh, is he? Yeah,
1: he's, he's loving just...
0: it. I mean, my favourite Elvish song is Jailhouse Rock. But well, that one's good too. A huge cast in the Two Towers, like we said, and Sean Aston as Samwise Gamgee, Ian McKellen as Gandalf, and Christopher Lee as Saruman all play significant roles, mm-hmm. along with all of these. Loads of them. Massive yeah. cast. Huge. But in the main three we talked about, all good... And Gollum, pretty unforgettable. Yeah,
1: all amazing. Amazing.
0: The Two Towers Extended Edition runs 223 minutes in length, so we weren't exactly sure of scenes to pick from when choosing our highlights. So what are you going for,
1: Westy? No don't wonder Luke hasn't seen it. <laughs> 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 um, I'm going to go for the warg attack, which I think is just a really lovely action sequence when yeah. we didn't really need one because mm. Helmsteep's coming up, but it sets up so much. Mm. There's one bit for me, it does kind of jar us a little bit, though, when Legolas grabs the horse and jumps onto it. It's a bit shit. <laughs> it's rubbish. It's just <laughs> shit. It's, it's impossible. You, do you, do you look, you look you? You're looking at it, you're like, well, well, I'll go that way and then I'll <laughs> just, just, just just, jump on the back. And I mean, Aragorn going over the cliff just kind of sets everything up. He sees the armies marching towards Helms. Deep, you he see the relationship that he's got with everybody else. Miranda Otto's character is like just, you know, she realises our, our, our love for him. Bernard Hill's really great in that as well, and he realises what they've lost. And it, it's totally different, because this happens in the book. It happens in the Fellowship of the Ring. as the head of the Mines of Moria, right. which I think right, yeah. would have been outrageous. Like, nobody would have known anything of what's going on, and he would have just been like, <laughs> really? Um and it was originally written at night, but Jackson changed it at the daytime and moved it the two towers which i think is, is miles miles better because right. i mean why is he making these decisions the challenge the the like the, the digital teams the design teams oh you see all the wogs yeah we're going to make all them and it's through the day by the way oh for fuck's sake can i make it through the night so we can just <laughs> yeah, make it, a bit it easier yeah. and it's like no no, <laughs> we're going to set all that up and the orcs are, um they, he took a tumble off the cliff <laughs> oh brilliant <laughs> <laughs>
0: <That's> really good <great. laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yeah, I like the wogs. In the book, they're described as being like wolves, but the designers brought in elements of hyenas too, which you can yeah. see. Mm. Yeah, I mean, there are no hyenas from The Lion King, obviously, but <laughs> definitely not. Is. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's not that good. <laughs> <laughs> what I'm not a fan of here is something that starts to get really ramped up around this time in the film, and that's Gimli being this constant source of comic relief.
1: Yeah, <laughs>
2: right.
0: The bit before the attack, where he falls off his horse and everyone's laughing at him, is mm. terrible.
2: That was deliberate.
1: deliberate. Yeah, I mean, but his axe goes flying towards children. Have you noticed that? No, no. <laughs> Watch enough, it though. again. He's probably killed about three kids. <laughs> <laughs> I
0: mean, it's like lowest common denominator slapstick. It makes him look like an idiot as well. Mm. The only funny thing Gimli says is outside Helm's Deep. Trust me. <laughs> <laughs> and that's not meant to be funny <laughs> <laughs> <turn the> elf. <laughs> so for my highlight I've gone for the climax to Frodo, Sam and Gollum's plot thread where Faramir takes him to Osgiliath All oh, right, nice where there's a battle going on between the Gondorians and the Orcs we actually see very little of the battle because Action Jackson doesn't want to detach from Helm's Deep I'm guessing but I think it's pretty interesting from a character point of view yeah Firstly, Faramir, who's a secondary character, I think gets a really good arc. He does, yeah. Boromir's brother, Faramir, very much lives in Boromir's shadow, and like Boromir, he gets confronted by the ring. Where Boromir tries to steal it from Frodo in the first film, though, Faramir proves he's a stronger man by letting Frodo go. I think at last, we understand one another, Frodo beckons mm-hmm. And it's all given a lot more weight by the scenes with their father, Denethor, who p- prefers Boromir to Faramir. Yeah. I think it's excellent. And I think David Wenham, who plays Faramir, is really good, too.
2: Yeah, he is.
1: If you let them go, your life will be forfeit. Then it is forfeit.
0: And also, Osgiliath is about Gollum. The way he's trekked by the Gondorians is genuinely difficult to watch.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: When he's fishing, singing his song all happy, in the ambush yeah. room, stick a hood over his head and beat the shit out of him. <laughs> Full on Geordie Circle for Gollum. It's <laughs> awful. Yeah, yeah, stomped on. <laughs> yeah. But I think the writing is excellent. Gollum or Smeagol's treatment by the Gondorians is what brings the Gollum persona back. Smeagol. <laughs> yeah. And that final scene where he monologues again and sets up Shalob for Return of the King. Yeah. Great final scene, that. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, Osgiliath, there's a battle going on, but it's very much character-led, and I think it's a really well-written and really well-put-together sequence.
1: Yeah, I think Faramir is great in that. I mean, we talked about some differences to the book earlier, and this is a pretty big one. Uh, The whole sequence in Osgiliath isn't actually in the book, and Faramir's arc isn't really there. In the book, he just casually lets Frodo go, which which just wouldn't have worked at all. And there's a nod to that change in the film, because Sam says,
0: By rights, we shouldn't even be here. Which is a really
1: nice touch. It's just like, you know, I think it's fantastic. As do I. (laughs) <laughs> All right, Faramir, as do I. <laughs> Getting into this, aren't you, John? Brilliant. <laughs> Let's draw swords together. <laughs>
0: so, Matt, two big highlights there, but still hmm. three hours, 20 minutes worth for you to choose
2: from. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. what are you go for?
0: What say you? <laughs> yeah, exactly. What say I?
2: Let's I say I'm I. going as big as I could go in this film, because it's got to be Helm's Deep.
1: So it's... Be- is that all you can conjure, Matt? <laughs> <laughs> is it not enough?
2: I mean it's it's amazing, is it? The tension before it even starts off the scale. Because we know how big this army is. Aragon's told us we've seen glimpses of it, but it's the way you just hear it approach and it's <laughs> that black mass slowly approaching on the horizon, lit by torches, this black shadow just covering the land. And I love that shot where the lightning cracks and you get Legolas's reaction because he yeah. sees for the first time just how big this army is. It's so foreboding. And it's like Jackson is on a one-man mission just to outdo everything that's come before. I mean, you've mentioned Braveheart. Braveheart's like a pub fighter compared to this. (laughs) And the lightning and the rain coming down, it adds so much. It's very Kua it's very Ran, it's very Mm -hmm. Seven Samurai. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's very Ran, yeah. And have either of you seen um, Waterloo from 1970 with Rod Steiger? No.
1: No. I'm not going (laughs) to lie. It's not really
2: well known. It should be the battle scenes and that. Right, Mason and Jackson right. takes a lot from that. So go check that. Oh, out. really? Okay. Oh, right. of, Nice. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's
0: incredible. auction in there, isn't?
2: <laughs> <laughs> Big ladders going up, <laughs> up the top of Napoleon. <laughs> Tiny step ladders. <laughs> 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 but when it all kicks off here, it's just incredible. Shot after shot. I love all the swoop and shots over the walls, all the shots yeah. of the ladders being winched up, the orcs charging yeah, the is. battlements, Thedon's so cocky, thinks it's going to be easy. Too cocky? Up. And then when the wall blows, and you've got like Aragorn throwing himself in and the Legolas surfing down the battlements on a shield while firing off ours, which should be ridiculous, but it's fucking cool as fuck instead, even if it was all <laughs> on <his own>. Um <laughs> What works so well is it's a tactical battle as well. They're not just two armies smashing into each other. They've got a plan. They're not just blown up the wall. You've got that faction attacking the other gate, but they've mm. shielded themselves so they can't be taken out by our So I just think it's so tense. It's so brilliant filmmaking like on a scale you've never seen before in this genre. Yeah. And I know there were so many extras in this sequence that they were given T-shirts that said, I survived Helm's Deep. So extras would meet other extras in New Zealand and recognise each other from the shirts. Yeah, ah,
1: nice. brilliant. <laughs> that bit when the elves are just, in the four back in Aragon's just telling them to fire in the... All the arrows come on. His hair is moving. It's yeah. just like, oh come <laughs> on. Yeah, his hair is moving. He's, he's like, the arrow comes past. He's like, just, oh, there's no need for that level of detail. And I just, I uh, don't know. It's oh god, it's just so good. Yeah, I mean, one of the best
0: battle sequences I've ever put on screen, surely. And the scale of it, I think, yeah. is just unmatched. It took seven months just to build the set. You know why it took that long? Because it was massive. They built the set into the side of a cliff. (laughs)
1: Like the Grotto. (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) The miniature or bigature of Helm's Deep was seven feet high and 20 feet wide. Like I mentioned, they blew up the scale model. I love that when the uruk is running towards
1: the wall and Aragorn's shouting a Legolas in Elvish. And it seems like a punishment, like 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 Legolas is fucked up. Like, what are you supposed to do? He hits yeah. him like three times, <laughs> yeah. and he's still going. You're not going to take that guy down. I'm sorry. No way.
0: Yeah, the battle itself was shot over four months. Four months it took to shoot Helm's Deep. That's like a whole film. Yeah, yeah. ridiculous. Yeah. Three months at night and one month during the day. That's mental.
1: That's almost a third of the whole production. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely massive. And the editor was Michael Horden. And apparently, the first cut he and Jackson put together of Helm's Deep was 20 hours long.
1: Amazing, I want to see that.
0: I'd, I'd watch that, like, easily. Get that released. Yeah. yeah, yeah, two right. I want a version of the two towers that to watch it. I've got to take a week off work.
1: <laughs> <laughs> two weeks off to recover. 20 hours helm, You'd be sitting just rocking backwards and forwards. <laughs> you know, sitting in a cold shower like Casino <laughs> Royale. <laughs> and during the battle, we see a soldier on the wall who's only got one eye. <laughs> But he was an oh, extra yeah. called Wayne Phillips, who turned up with an eye patch. But Jackson asked him if he was interested in being in the film without the eye patch. And he's like really tentative at first, but he's like, "Ah, oh, fuck it. Yeah, I'm going to look amazing. So it's, it's really <laughs> once he did that, it made him feel far more comfortable with his condition, which oh, I think nice. is a really nice touch from Jackson.
0: Oh. Yeah, lovely. Yeah. I think being front and center in a huge film for a shot probably sweetened
2: the deal as well. Yeah, I mean, I yeah. cut <laughs> my eye out of being in a To be before.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> I, I love the makeup. He was well with yeah, the orcs right. and the urakai. Did you know most of the goblins are played by women because goblins are smaller than orcs? That's and right. Then,
1: and the rohirim as well?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Jackson put beards on them. Yeah. They stick on beards, yeah. Like dwarf women.
1: Yeah. And then <laughs> um,
2: the actors playing the urakai, they would have to spend 10 hours in makeup. And because orcs have black blood, Jackson, you know, because he's just full on detail, he wanted the inside of the mouths to be black as well. So if you were playing an orc, you had to rinse your mouth with this special licorice mouthwash before filming. Ah, <laughs> cool. <laughs> I mean, the goblins, the orcs, and the uruk
0: all look fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, except for, have you noticed the orc who looks like Mickey Piazza for only fools and horses? Uh, Sounds like him, too.
1: What about them? they fresh. Well, There's no reason, Rodney, but
2: why break the habits of a lifetime, eh? <laughs> <laughs> it's I uncanny. think I know the one you it mean. May be I him. think I know the <laughs> one <laughs> you mean. <laughs> <in. laughs> <Yeah. laughs>
1: That might have been Mickey Pierce, but it wasn't Mickey Pierce's voice. Because when them orcs are, <laughs> oh, <laughs> or when them orcs are arguing about you know, the hobbits and whether they're going to eat them or whatnot, oh, yeah. all of them orcs' voices, each one of them, there's three of them, they're all Andy Serkis. Oh wow. Which is fantastic.
2: Looks like meat's back on the menu, boys.
1: <laughs> when the Urukai first arrive at Helm's Steep, they're all chanting, but you can hear it like it's really low in the mix and then it just gets better and better and bigger and bigger. But the chants were recorded at a test match between New Zealand and England. So Peter Jackson went on the pitch and they put orc words up on the giant screen, and there's about twenty-five thousand people just chanting these words. <laughs> Jackson just that seems confidence though, imagine just yeah. like there's twenty five thousand people. Can you just show them some words that don't make any sense and <laughs> yeah. go out there and get this performance from twenty five thousand people? That's how good of a director he is. Ridiculous.
0: Yeah. It works great as well, doesn't it? When they're yeah. all chanting and slamming the spears down. Brilliant. Yeah.
1: yeah, it's massive. I don't like it, I love it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Three huge scenes there, and there's still several hours to spare. Yeah. All excellent though. And the Battle of Helm's Deep, one of the great screen battles all-timer
1: it's the battle that every other battle needs to be
0: Mm. matt this was your pick Mm -hmm. started in the middle so you first please summary and score for the lord of the rings the two towers
2: yeah i can just say we did put up fellowship a few times (laughs) and no one voted for it so you know this isn't like my decision i'm just saying that straight in there yeah yeah, well you
1: know i'm just (laughs)
2: You've done this little dig a couple of times, John. I'm an idiot for doing it. (laughs) Matt in the middle. (laughs) (laughs) Right, the verdict. So, I mean, the trilogy, it's just one of my all time favourite trilogies. I would have been happy to talk about any of them. This one stands out because it should have been the tricky one. No beginning, no resolution. Everyone just keeps on going in this film and gets nowhere, basically. But that's what makes the achievement all the more special. I saw this, I think, about four times at the cinema because at the time, I just knew I had to make the most of it because a film like this comes along very rarely. And it was free. And and it was free. (laughs) Yeah, that's the real reason. the reason, (laughs) Um, The extended edition adds so much to it. Um, no, it's not perfect. It is a bit long-winded. There's hammy performances, some bad lines in their courses, course. But still, what Peter Jackson managed to do is incredible with these films. And this, for my money, is the best of the three. So it gets the full 10. Oh, wow. Massive score. Mm-hmm. And it's a massive film, isn't it? It is a massive film.
0: In every way, runtime and scale off the charts. Yeah. I mean, the way they shift the narrative structure and bring in some of their plot threads, it's a fantastic adaptation of a classic book. As director, Jackson made a film that's one of the best ever examples of the full range of visual effects. Miniatures, camera tricks, prosthetics, animatronics, matte paintings, digital. It's all in there, and all brilliant. In Gollum, we have a groundbreaking creation, one of the great blockbuster movie characters, and in Helm's Deep, one of the best ever on-screen battles. I have some issues around tone and some illogical writing, but those moments are overwhelmed fairly easily by everything else I just mentioned. A brilliant film, one of the great sequels, and to me, the best movie set in Middle-earth. It's 9 out of 10 for me. Wow. And Westy, what 10 out of 10 are you giving the two towers? (laughs) (laughs) The 10 towers. The 10 towers. Um,
1: (laughs) Um... Yeah, I was quite conflicted with this because I watched it again and there was some bits that really took us out of it. Like we've we've talked about some of the hammy performances, some of the hammy lines, some of the bits where you go, but then you see, you know, figure Morton's on the screen and you just go, yeah, this is fantastic. It's just the weaving of the storylines. It's just the cutting between Helm's Deep. And then the Ents, for me—it really, really brings it down. It's like when you get it—if you get like when you're like when you were a kid, like eight-year-old, right—and you get a toy in the supermarket, and you go, "Fucking yes, I just want to get to the checkout and I want to just pay for this." But your mom bumps into one of her mates, and she's got to <laughs> talk to them. It's like cutting between. I want to get to the checkout. Oh, Helms Deep. I want to get there. Fucking. Door. And so oh, there's the Ents. <laughs> and Helms Deep there's the end all right and then it does pay off eventually and it's fine but for fuck's sake you know it's the second of the trilogy it's a huge huge film it's an incredible achievement it's a fantastic piece of escapism cinema Mm. and nobody else could have done this any better than jackson i'm not going to give it a perfect 10 because then bits kind of pull us out but i'm going to give it a 9.5 lovely
0: wow so all together that brings in the lord of the rings the two towers with a score of 28.5 out of 30. Mm The Battle for Helm's Deep is over. The longest film we've ever covered, and we are at the end of the episode. If you liked it, and what we do in general, please support us on Patreon. Becoming an ATR on Patreon will get you access to benefits like bonus episodes of The Cutting Room, and also access to our archive of podcasts, over 200 hours worth in total. And the podcasts are also available on our website.
1: Still not as long as the trilogy, though. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no way, (laughs) yeah.
0: Mainly, though, becoming a from will allow us to carry on making videos and make more of them. Yes. That's all for now, though we will be back. So please, come back next time.
2: Yes, we will. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Four times, Matt, you saw Two Towers. With the cinema, and I reckon probably another four or five since then for definite, yeah. Obviously. Right. How many times do you see it, Wesley?
1: Yeah, about the same. Eight, nine, whenever whenever I can. Every Christmas. (laughs) (laughs) It's a Christmas film for me. Massive. How many times you read the book? Oh for fucks! (laughs) (laughs) Do you know why did you have to mention that all the way through the fucking episode?
0: I'm sorry, mate.
1: Uh, Well, it's all right, but like you know, I can't fucking read. Right,
0: I know. Yeah, I know. Didn't mean to
1: offend you. uh, Yeah, sick of this shit. Fucking first time I met you. Fucking reading the two towers. Fucking all can't finish fucking book. Ah, whatever. No, whatever. Not fucking bothered.
0: I'll just say yeah. All right, mate. Sorry.
1: right Fine. Don't even know where the fucking thing is. Finish your fucking two towers before we could.